Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. It's a great, great thing that you joined us for this episode. Welcome aboard. Well, this is the episode for Sunday, November 7th. 2021. So what are we talking about today on This Week in the Word? We are talking about Matthew's Messiah transforming values, that is, values and beliefs that help us live on a higher plane. Did you know that this is the 163rd episode of This Week in the Word at dredhill.podbean.com? And here you are listening to it as I record it. Well, again, welcome aboard, and let's get started right away. You know, life for many people has become complicated, painful, and disastrous. And that's just on the good days. (laughs) For many people, life ends up like this because it started like this with their parents and has been perpetuated over the decades into their lives, and maybe they're now uh, also perpetuating that in the lives of their children or even their grandchildren. Listen, people, listen to this. For life to change, there must be change in you and me. We have to learn new truth, learn new ways to make correct choices and decisions so that we can line up our lives with what is known to be right and successful. Now, for many who are listening, that makes sense to you. But for some who are listening, that is not how you have been taught and raised. And your life is very chaotic. And it seems like you you go from one wrong decision, to heartache, to disaster, to another. I'm here to tell you that is not the way life is meant to be. Now, the question should come to your mind and mine, hey, are there proven, time-tested values that can move a life from messed up to meaningful? You bet. There certainly are. Now, How important is this idea? Well, even though Matthew's Messiah, Jesus Christ, is, we're going to see today that he's crossing from the relative safety of the region of Galilee, where his headquarters was in Capernaum, he's leaving there into the danger area of Judea, uh, heading toward Jerusalem, where he will be betrayed and tried and crucified, he will die, and he will rise again, literally victorious over death on the third day. But he's only, in this gospel, in in Matthew, he's only a, a short time and distance away from crucifixion week. Now, even though that's true, this is what I want you to get. Jesus Christ takes time to teach on these transforming values. So let's see what they are. I think, although they could probably be broken down into greater detail, I think it best for our purpose today, here in the 19th 
chapter of the Gospel of Matthew to see three transforming values that are spoken about here by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the first one that we're going to see is the transforming value of matrimony, that is, of marriage, the transforming value of matrimony. In our day, marriage has been watered down, ridiculed, and redefined into unrecognizability. I mean, we have men marrying men, women marrying women. Who knows what's coming next? We have craziness going on in this area. And it's no wonder that Satan would attack matrimony or marriage because it is so foundational to a successful life and a successful society. Now, it's sad that marriage has been blasted as it has, and here's why. Now, listen carefully, especially if you can't figure out why your life is not working. Listen. It's sad because a proper value of marriage, of matrimony, is foundational to stability, and without this proper foundation, the generations to come, they are, well, they're doomed to misery. Pastor Ed, that's, that's saying an awful lot. Yes, it is. But let's go to Matthew 19 and verse 1, and I think you're going to begin to realize, if you never have before, the importance that God places on a proper value of matrimony, of marriage. Matthew 19, starting in verse 1. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. Verse 3. The Pharisees... Now, these were Bible-believing conservatives, you might say, but man, had they gotten off track, all right? These were Jewish religious leaders from Jerusalem. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? That was the popular thought of the religious leadership of the Lord's day. But this, by the way, is a trap. They thought that no matter what he, how he answered it, they would have something to accuse him of. I don't know why they had not caught on yet, but that was not going to work, and it isn't going to work right here. But anyway, that's the trap they set. Verse 4, and he answered and said unto them, have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. In other words, don't you know this? Haven't you read this in the book of Genesis that Moses wrote under the inspiration of God? That's what he's asking them. So he turns it back on them, right? Verse 6. Wherefore, they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, 
let not man put asunder. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, that is sexual sin, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her, which is put away, doth commit adultery. Now let's just stop right there. Under the law, if, let's say one of these Pharisees found out his wife had been unfaithful, strictly speaking, under the law, if that was true and could be proven, she would be executed, stoned to death. But the Lord, through Moses, saw the hard-heartedness of the people, even in Moses' day, and knew that this would be abused. And women, especially, would be falsely accused so that their husbands could get rid of them and get a new trophy wife. Get it? It's still going on today, by the way. Now, in order that innocent women not be basically murdered, lied about and murdered, the idea of divorce was allowed. and It became very popular. Hey, as long as you do the right paperwork, dot every I, cross every T, you can get your, rid of your wives and trade her in on a new model. This apparently was very common. This was wrong. Now, even in the case of actual sin, there's this thing we talked about last week called forgiveness, right? In the last episode. So you can go back and look at that. But what the Lord is saying here is, yes, in the area of sexual sin, there may be times when divorce is inevitable. Okay, we understand that. But these religious types, and, and many irreligious people too, it wasn't just limited to the religious people, but everybody just had the idea that, you know, serial marriage, you know, you, you enter marriage when you're young and you get rid of that wife and you get another one in midlife and get rid of that one and get another one in old age. And I'm not talking about their passing away. I mean, you're divorcing them. This is wrong. And the Lord nails it right here. He says, this is not what God's design is from the beginning. Because when people are married, they are no longer two people. They become one flesh. Say, so, well, I don't understand that. Well, that's why divorce is so painful. Because in God's sight, they're no longer two people. They're one new person as a married couple. And yet, apparently, divorce, for all the wrong reasons, was still rampant. It was rampant by this time during the Lord's ministry, and he calls them out on it. And he says, hey, the reason Moses allowed this is because of the hardness of your hearts. You get it now? And Jesus says, but from the beginning, it was not so. 
And he, he just lays it down in verse nine. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, that is the way we're talking about, you know, to do the right paperwork and get rid of her, even if she's not guilty of anything. Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. Well, why is that, Pastor Ed? Because he's married to his wife. She has been faithful, and he has ditched her by just going through the legal process. You get it? The Lord is against that. And whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. So let's say that, um, you know, there was a woman who was, was guilty. Let's say she was actually guilty of sexual sin in marriage and her husband divorced her. Well, that doesn't mean somebody else can just marry her without consequence because she was involved in something that was wrong. And so now she's not free to marry whoever she wants. You get it? I mean, people, listen, mankind is totally messed up the value of matrimony and marriage. And I don't want to go into somebody's particular circumstance. That's something you've got to get with you and the Lord based on scripture about. But we're talking here about the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, his disciples, and by the way, all of this made them say out loud, what in the world? You know, that's basically what they said in verse 10. His disciples say unto him, if the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. I mean, like, this is crazy is almost what they were saying. Like, this is not good because they knew how sinful they were and how sinful their society was. You see, God's standard doesn't change no matter how messed up man gets. Are you understanding that? So even the disciples were blown away by what the Lord said in verse 9. And it should bother you too. It bothered them. Verse 11, But he said unto them, All men cannot receive this saying, that is, that, that it's not good to marry. All men cannot receive this saying, save or, or accept, save they to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb, that is, they are uh, single, and that's the way they were born, and they will live their life that way. And there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men, as they didn't choose it, but it was forced on them. And there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. That is, someone who chooses singlehood in order to serve God. And Jesus says at the end of this, in verse 12, he that is able to receive it, let him receive it. Now, here are two takeaways concerning the value of matrimony. Write these down. Number one, marriage is best and singleness is blessed. In other words, let's put it this way. If a person has the opportunity to be uh, righteously married, then that is a wonderful blessing. That is a good thing. But if, the, if that person does not have that opportunity and they are in a life of singleness, singlehood, 
as long as they may be in that, it may be a short time, it may be a long time, it may be their entire life. But singleness, when handled with the Lord, is blessed. Okay, so marriage is best if that's open to you, you know, the proper type of marriage. And singleness is blessed if that is what God has called you to. And God will enable you and gift you for that. Now, here's another takeaway in this area, the value of matrimony. Listen carefully. Divorce is not the unpardonable sin. Even if you got divorced for all the wrong reasons, even if you're the reason that your previous marriage ended up in shipwreck, you see, there's this thing called conviction of sin and repentance where you go before the Lord and, and the Lord restores you. So divorce is not the unpardonable sin. But note this very carefully. Listen carefully. It is also not an avenue that makes it permissible to be involved in adultery. Do you understand? And listen, even if you don't like these truths, for example, a man and a woman are the ones that God says are to be married, not a man and a man, not a woman and a woman, or a person with an animal, or a person with an inanimate object, and you say, what are you talking about? Well, there are people talking about these kind of things. That's crazy, I know, but what a world we live in. Anyway, if... If what the Lord says bothers you, I didn't write it. Take it up with Jesus and let him teach you. But I just want you to know that if you want your life to be stable, if you want to live in a stable society, there must be a high value placed on matrimony. It is truly a transforming value for any life and any society. All right, here's the next one. Let's go to the transforming value of family. In Matthew 19, verses 13 to 15. I want you to think about these things before we read the verses. The desire to raise a strong family has been a major life-giving value throughout the existence of man on earth. That's a fact. And today, children are not viewed as a blessing from God, but as a problem to be dealt with. It is shameful how people talk about their own children and sometimes how they treat their own children. It is truly shameful. And family, the idea of family, the concept of family, which came from God, has been re-engineered into a living disaster zone for so many people. It is so sad. But let's see the transforming value of family in Matthew 19, 13 to 15. Then were there brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them, like, get away here, kid. <laughs> don't, don't bother Jesus. Leave us alone. 
you know, that kind of idea. But Jesus says, suffer little children, that is, allow them. Suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, we should all become like little children, which Jesus has mentioned before, right? Verse 15, and he laid his hands on them and departed thence. So these children were here. Well, where did they come from? Well, hey, they came from parents, right? So the parents were bringing them and the disciples, you know, they were like we are sometimes where we think children can't understand things. Well, they can understand them on their level right? And they were coming to the Lord and the disciples were uh, trying to trying to shield Jesus off from them. You know, don't, don't bother Jesus. You know, get out of here, kid, that kind of thing. But Jesus says, no, allow the little children to come. Don't forbid them because he says, that's, I mean, that's innocence, right? That's coming to the Lord with a, a heart that loves the Lord. We all ought to be more like little children. But think about this, the transforming value of family. Here's two takeaways. We, as parents, should welcome and raise children. Now, most of the time, we do a pretty decent job of welcoming children into our home you know, when, when we know that they're going to be born. But we get a little weak sometimes on the raising them part. And I don't mean just, you know, give them something to eat every day, clothes on their back, a place to sleep, and put them in school. There's more to life than that. But welcome and raise children. That is, uh, grow them up in the Lord. You see, there's a lot of responsibility when you have children, and, and think about this, you will answer for how you raised your children. It's a total laugh out loud moment for me in a bad way when I hear some people who I, I observe their lives and their lives are just train wrecks and they complain about the problems they're having with their children who won't obey them and don't make proper choices and all that. Well, you know what? Those children are the product of their sorry raising from those parents. So what I mentioned earlier when we started about maybe you're the victim of being raised the wrong way by parents, okay? Well, that's probably true, but you know what? You need to you need to stop that cycle. If you don't know how to be a good parent, the Lord through his word will teach you. Getting saved, becoming filled with God, with his spirit, and being immersed in the word of God will show you how to be the right kind of parent and raise your children. There is a transforming value of family on a life and on a society. And really, rather than, quote, send them to church or drop them off at church, I mean, that's better than nothing, I guess. But the best thing is bring them with you to God. Now, if you don't know how, I'm telling you, 
there are thousands of groups of Christians, you've probably heard of them, they're called churches, that can help you grow in this area if you're a Christian, but you need to learn new ways and new choices and new ways of thinking about life and raising children. That can be learned from the Word of God, but you have to open your heart and be ready to be taught. You can't just sit on your hands and complain about the bad parenting, the lack of parenting that you had, and therefore you're a bad parent and your children are turning out so bad. Change their destiny. You take the steps, whatever those are, to become the kind of parent now going forward that you need to be. So he's seeing the transforming value of matrimony, the transforming value of family, and the last one that I think we see here in Matthew 19 is the transforming value of spirituality. You know, until the 20th century, until it happened, spiritual concerns were dominant to many people. I mean, one of the uppermost concerns of many people throughout history has been spiritual matters, them and God, okay? But now we are entertained, amused, and narcotized into senselessness about spirituality. But if you read from the writings over the centuries of people from all levels of society, there's a, there's a major concern for one's soul, not just how they live in this life on this earth, but where will they live after they leave this life and leave this earth? The assurance of eternal life in heaven and the reign of God over the universe was of utmost importance to, I would say, most people for most of history. But today, trivial pursuits are the primary focus of many people, maybe even most people. So in Matthew 19, let's go to verse 16. And I need to tell you this before we read it. We're going to see someone come to the Lord that is often referred to as the rich young ruler. I mean, he had it all. He was wealthy. He was young. You know, his best years were way ahead of him. You know, oh, to be young again, right? And he was a ruler. What does that mean? Well, I believe I remember from some of my studies that he was a, a religious leader. So he was uh, considered a good man. He was trying to do the right thing. I mean, honestly, in his community, he was somebody who was viewed as having it all. And he had it together. He was a good man. And behold, one came on and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? You know, there it is. Here's someone, even though he had all those good things going, even he was concerned about what happens after I die? Verse 17. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is, God. Now, let's stop right there. I've often thought that 
if he knew who Jesus really was, that he was standing in front of God in the flesh, that at this point he should have said, if he knew that, well, that's why I called you good master. I know that you're God. But notice he doesn't do that. So he doesn't really understand who Jesus really is. Maybe you're like that today. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is, God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? So in spite of being raised religiously and all the good things going in his life, he still knew that he was missing something. And actually he was missing someone, the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Verse 21, Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now you know the disciples probably thought, here's a guy He's religious, he's young, he's wealthy. Look how God's blessing him. And Jesus says, hey, for many rich people, they'll never be able to get into heaven. It would be easier to, <laughs> for an animal to, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. This was opposite, by the way, to how the Jewish people looked at it because they figured anybody like this was obviously blessed by God, Right? Now, watch what the disciples do. This is a tough day on the disciples, people. Verse 25, when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye, excuse me, verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, Ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken houses, 
or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. Now here's some takeaways from this passage. Jim Elliott, the martyred missionary, before he died for the cause of Christ, said this, He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. So the Lord knew in the life of this rich young ruler that the thing standing between him and God was his money. And that was the thing that had to go in his life. With somebody else, it may be something different. But this was the problem in this young man's life. He worshiped money. And for him to come to Christ, he would have to walk away from that money. Wow. And you know what? He was unwilling to do it, and he went away very sorrowful. Why? Because he, he was fabulously wealthy. He made his choice. He decided to keep that which he was going to lose one day anyway. Pastor Ed, did he ever come to Christ? I don't know. We're not told that he did. Maybe he did later. I don't know. But, it, but we know at this point he did not. He chose his money. Hey, listen, I want you to recalibrate your life. I want you to reorient your life. I'm going to give you an assignment right now. Most of you will not do this, but there might be one or two that will do it. And I'm telling you, it's going to change your life. I want you to read a book. It's a big book. It's written in old English language. It'll be a little hard but you'll grow from it. Here's the title of the book. Fox's Book of Martyrs. Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's a classic. You could probably find it online free, I would imagine, because it's about four or 500 years old. You could probably find it in a public library or a uh, religious library, like a church library. You could probably still order it online. Fox's Book of Martyrs. If you will read Fox's Book of Martyrs, your life of complaining will be over. You will have a new appreciation for life, a new fresh love for Jesus Christ. Because you're going to realize that we are way too fixated on this life, this earth. And there's a transforming value of spirituality. And the people that you'll read about in Fox's Book of Martyrs were willing, if they had to, to actually part with everything they owned, even with their lives, in order to be faithful to Jesus Christ. That's a transforming value of spirituality. And man, do we ever need that in our society today. Now, right about now, some of you are thinking after hearing this, whole episode today, man, have I messed up. You know, you spent your whole life climbing a ladder. 
and you're starting to realize all the time you've had your ladder leaning against the wrong wall. Oh, man. You know what? You need to repent and start afresh. If you're not a Christian, you can become one today. If you are a Christian, but you've gotten off the path, you can get back on the path with Jesus today. I want you to write this number down, 877-247-2426. 877-247-2426. You can know that with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can know for certain how your eternity will turn out. And instead of following the whole world, who is following Satan and being condemned to an eternal hell. I mean, who wants to follow them, right? You can follow Jesus Christ and be welcome into heaven and spend eternity with God. You may want to go to chataboutjesus.com, chataboutjesus.com, where you can find help. Here's some bad news, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23, the first part of it, is also bad news. For the wages of sin is death. Yep, you're earning death for the, all the sin you've committed and that defines you. But here's some good news in Romans 6.23, the last half. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, I thank you for listening at dredhill.podbean.com. I hope that it has been a blessing to you if you're a Christian and encouraged you and strengthened you. If you're not, I hope that you desire to come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Please follow or subscribe to the podcast and share it right now with someone who needs to hear this message. You can share it on social media, by email. You can tell people about dredhill.podbean.com. These are always free, and as long as people want to listen, they'll be able to do so anywhere, anytime. Totally free. Thank you. God bless you. I look forward to teaching again next week. Bye-bye.